Hi, and welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we speak with writers about writing, and we have a great time doing it. And once in a while, I have an author on that I greatly admire, that I actually am friends with too. And um, <laughs> it happens once in a while, and this is one of those times. And I'm yeah. so, 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 so excited to have Cheryl Head with me today. Hi, Cheryl. Hey, so good to see you. It's been a while since I saw your face, and I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> No, I'm happy to see you too. Same. I know. I've missed I've missed you. I've missed everyone. I've missed seeing everybody. <laughs> so it's great to see you. Um, I'm gonna give you a brief introduction. Okay. Carol is a writer. Well, with this we know because she's on the show. She's a writer, television producer, and broadcast executive. And now I'm already intimidated. Um, <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> She's going to be like, you did that wrong, but that's okay. Um, she is also the author of the award-winning Charlie Mack Motown series, whose female PI protagonist is queer and black. Head is an Anthony Award nominee, a two-time Lambda Literary Award finalist, a three-time Next Generation Indie Book Award finalist, and win winner of the Golden Crown Literary Society's Anne Bannon Popular Choice Award. Her books are included in the Detroit Public Library's African American Book List and the Special Collections of the Library of Michigan. All of that is very super impressive. And you, I mean, I could go on all day with your accolades, but the, that's just a select few um, for today. Um, in 2019, Cheryl was named to the Hall of Fame of the New Orleans Saints and Sinners Literary Festival. Um, and in 2002, she was awarded the Alice B. Readers Appreciation Award. She is vice chair of the National Batchicon Board of Directors. She lives in Washington, D.C. So she's having the same crappy weather as me today with, with her partner and with Abby and Frisbee who provide canine supervision i also have a canine supervisor as well so you? In, yeah yeah <laughs> that's a, that that bio is too long <laughs> no it's not we wanted to hear well i wanted to mention your series and i wanted to mention your you know you've i mean that's just a just a, a few of the select awards that you've you know comment you know acclamations you received and you're important member of our community in the mystery world and all of that is important to talk about and say so it's it's longish but it's not too long i think it's fine <laughs> this no, this rain might last too long out here we have today but um, yeah not, you know it's yeah. crazy weather and i've got allergies too so <laughs> and now not to be this is this is like old person talk but it's gonna be 80 degrees tomorrow and it's like 40 degrees today so that's weird frightening, but, frightening. <laughs> yeah it's because we live in dc i mean you know dc this is what you get it's we like, need winter, folks. We need winter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, tell us about your new book. Okay. Well, time's undoing. Um, I wrote it in 2020. So I've been living with it. It's being published ne next week, but I've been living with it for a couple of years. And uh, I've actually been living with this book for <laughs> like 40 years, actually. Um, it's a, a, a story based on a personal tragedy in my family in the uh, 1929, my grandfather was killed by Birmingham, Alabama police. My mom was just two years old at the time. He had a young wife. They were there temporarily to work. And um, we didn't have a lot of details about what happened or the circumstances of the homicide. We just know that he was killed. My grandmother complained uh, in Jim Crow era uh, Alabama, you didn't do a lot of complaining about police actions. Uh, there was the Klan and the police. And so her family whisked her away back to St. Petersburg. And for years, um, they only talked about uh, my grandpa's uh, killing in hushed tones. 
a lot of fear about who might hear overhear them and what repercussions there might be. But my mom, as we were growing up, my, my brothers and sisters and I were growing up, she constantly talked about my grandfather and kept his memory alive for us. Um, she, she may have been one of the more fearless people in my family, actually my grandma too, I guess. Um, and so over the years, uh, my mom and I talked about, we wish we knew more about what happened with grandpa. We still don't know where he's buried or if he's buried. That's one of the things I'm still on a track to see if I can find out. Um, but in 2020, when George Floyd was killed, I thought I was so incensed and I just kind of walked around. I was yelling out loud and my partner was kind of looking at me as I paced and yelled. <laughs> I thought, well, this is, I've got to write the story now. I've just got to write the story about grandpa. I had been daunted by the the facts that I didn't have a lot of facts, not a lot of details. So I couldn't really write it as a memoir. Uh, and I knew I had to fictionalize it, but I thought with the kind of the impetus of the ire, I was feeling that I would do my best with what I knew to paint that picture. And at the same time, give it some context for modern readers and young readers by setting uh, it in 2019 with a protagonist who's a young African-American journalist. And so it's a dual timeline and a dual narrative my grandpa's voice and the the old narrative and my fictionalized protagonist in the contemporary uh, narrative and um, melt those those sections together and with the hope with the help of a lot of help of a, with a great editor who kept seeing things and I'm going like damn I thought I was through with this book <laughs> so I, I you know it has been a catharsis for me I I started it in anger and ended it with a certain amount of um. I would say compassion for what black people had to go through in those days. And with a, with a bit of um, hope that through the work of communities like the Black Lives Matter movement and all the folks of goodwill that we can get through this and get to a point in this country, country where we have real social justice that's equal treatment for all people across the board and that we have some reckoning around racial issues that we have. Absolutely. Well, I'm encouraged to hear you um, talk about it positively because, mm -hmm. you know, for me and reading your book and, um, you know, thinking about your your granddad and everything that went down um, before, it's, so, it's like, yes, we've come, it's a hundred years later. Yes, we've come a long way, but we haven't come very far at all. It seems because yeah, there's very similar. It's how I mean, you're telling the story about your grandfather. It's like, oh, I just saw that on the news last week. Yeah, you know, it's I, like, that's, that's, you know, so that's, I'm, that's the discouraging part. Yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that you um, were able to do something positive with your anger, I mean, I just remember crying. I mean, I just watched that and I'm like, I never wanted to watch anything like that ever again, even though we we write crime, you know, yes, you see something do. so horrific in real life, yeah. you're like, what is wrong with us? You know, what yeah. is just horrifying yeah yeah and yeah there's just not enough words to explain how terrible it is you know I just don't yeah so the fact that you're able to even say anything positive in that sentence is just <laughs> wow you're mm, you're something else Cheryl um so kind of uh, just my first official question even though okay. I've already asked you a bunch um you were just talking about this and that was my you know of course that's the, the natural question to ask you um this book is based on true events we've all read books fictionalized books that were based on true events but this is a true events that are very personal to you right. and i just right. to me that seems like such a huge writer challenge like a challenge in so many ways like especially yeah. with the writing 
So can you tell us about that process? Were you afraid like your of how did you um, envision your grandfather's voice? Were you worried about your family's reaction? Um, how, was it really hard? And how how does how did you do this? Yeah, <laughs> That's okay. the how how did you manage it? That's what yeah. I want to know. Well, you know that those are all the right questions, and it's why I hadn't written the story before because you don't know how you're going to come to it. I, I, I there were times when I thought, should I say this in the book? You know, my grandfather's described and not always glorious terms. Uh, you know, I heard all the things my mother said about her father, that he was vain, that he was prideful, that he uh, had a new car every year. And sometimes they didn't have shoes, but he had a new car, you know, so I wanted to build all the elements of his, both his passions for his work, um, his kind of zeal for life, but also the flaws of being a, a man who, you know, wanted material things and a, a man who also felt, um, um, that he had a lot to prove because one, he was a black man in America at that time, but he also was a very dark skinned black man. And I'm sure as it is now, skin color mattered in those days. So um, it was, it was, you know, there were times when I was writing it, when I thought, I don't know if I can do this. It feels hard. Should I say this? What will my mother say who still is alive at 95 and still alive? And I, I was, I would call her sometimes and I would say, if, if I said this about grandpa, would that be right? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so it was, it was, a, it was harder than I thought it was going to be, but it was also, you know, enlightening and, and cathartic and joyful. Sometimes I discovered some things about uh, my grandfather that we didn't know as a family for 90 years. We, I, we, I, I found in the course of my research, uh, his death certificate certificate for the first time and my, put it in my mo mother's hands. You know, you can't get a death certificate unless you know the exact date of the death. And we didn't have that for a long time. My mother thought it had happened in the fall and it actually happened mid-June. And I called her to say, mom, you know, it happened in June, not in September. And she thought it had happened in fall because a few months later, my my aunt was born, but it turned out to be five months later, you know, so it's kind of the erosion of memories over time. I worried about that. I did a lot of oral histories with my mom because she's the last one alive. And um, then I really immersed myself in the 1929 chapters. I just, I'm not an organic writer. I plot when I write my mysteries. I have an outline, but on the, for those chapters, I really just kind of let myself be taken over. And I there were, there were at least two or three times where I said out loud, thank you, Grandpa, because I don't think I could have written this one without you. Oh, that's really yeah. sweet. And it, it's just, I mean, it's you and you're still still so much of a mystery attached to the real the real action, the real events right. that happened. Because like you said, you don't know that you no. all were afraid, that the family was afraid to even speak about it. And here you are, this is a nationally, you know, this book's going to be all over the world. And, you know, you've yeah. taken it, you've taken them be, them not that long ago being afraid to talk about it too. Now everyone's going to be talking about it, which yeah. we all need to be talking about it. The okay. fact that you don't know where he's buried or if he's buried is, is tragic still. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that still hurts me. I, and I've gotten some good help from people in Birmingham, good people in Birmingham who want to help the story be told. Um, I've, but I've also just recently gotten my first piece of hate mail. And I thought, hmm, I was expecting it, actually. I told the publishers, you know, that could happen. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because I, sorry. I wrote, yeah, my last Charlie Mack book was about um, the growing uh, influence of hate groups in America. And uh, so I knew they were out there and I knew the, the kind of things they do. And I've been in their chat rooms and I expected some blowback. 
I'm sorry. I don't want that to happen to you because you're lovely. You're a wonderful person. But that, I mean, they, I do feel um, groups like that have been emboldened the last yes, several years by, by yeah. certain people. And it's like, like, oh, we can, we have a voice now. Look, yeah. everybody's saying whatever. And it's like, so yeah. I don't know if that's better or worse. It's like, I liked, I liked the more polite times, but now I'm like, well, maybe it's good that we're hearing what they're saying. Because at least we know. And not just thinking it. And <laughs> you know where they're they coming. Do. Yeah. That's it's like, right. hey, keep talking. So I know which side you're on. So I know. <laughs> no, which way to run. <laughs> I know how to avoid. Yes. That's Please right. keep telling me your thoughts so I can never talk to you again. Right. <laughs> so, well, you're, um, be careful. You're a delight. We need right. you. To, we need you to stay around for a long time. So don't, don't, don't let them get you down. Um. So this kind of leads into, the, you know, of course, this is just a conversation, but my actually, yeah. my next question was about something like that. Um, you are a champion of inclusion and that shows in your work, obviously. Um, why do you feel it's so important to write about diverse characters and include that in your stories for everyone? Why is that important? Yeah. You know, I, I'm of a certain age and I realized maybe 10 years ago that I'm a race woman. <laughs> I mean, I put everything in the context of race. And I, I'm one of the folks who believes that America won't be its best until we've reconciled the issue of race in this country. Uh, and not just for Black Americans, but for people of color and other marginalized people, uh, that we have to have a really honest conversation about what's been done in the past, what continues to be done, and what we can do to ameliorate those things. Um, and so I'm always going to write about race. It's always going to be in, it may not be front and center. A lot of times it is though. And I do also want to talk about tolerance because I do think we have the ability to talk through our problems, to have honest conversations about the things that we don't do right, and to come on the other side of that with uh, some solutions and some ideas for how to do better. I like the ideals of this country. I'm a real patriot. My friends make fun of me about that. But I know as a black woman, there's no other country in the world that's that I would be better off than this country. You know, at the same time, I know that my immigration story is one formed by captivity and bias and prejudice over the years. You know, I'm not I'm not, uh, I might be Pollyannish, but I'm not naive about that. But on the other hand, I want to really see, and I can see a trajectory where we can come out on the other side. It's going to be tough though. Because uh, there, you know, there's so much divisiveness right now. But I do think, and I, I hope I put this in the book that through the power of community, positive change can happen. You know, people can form, just like people can form to do crazy and stupid things, people can form and do positive and wonderful things. I totally believe that. I do too. That's, I love that. I love that you're so upbeat and positive about these really harsh and hard topics that you experience on a daily basis yourself, you know, and the fact that you can, you're putting a positive spin on, you know, cause sometimes I'm like, what is wrong? <laughs> what is I, I going do, on? I do say that a lot, but yes. <laughs> I get over it by the days in. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I, I, I like you, I don't feel like it's an unreachable, you know, pie in the sky sort of a dream ideal. I think we can get there because, you know, I think a lot of it, it's cliche, but it starts at home. And, you know, my mom just, we, it was just always like, here are my friends. We're not going to point out what's different about them. And she, and she worked, she actually worked at um, a black college. She was a teacher and uh, she would have like work parties. And we were like, this is the seventies. And we were like little kids. And they would come over and have dinner parties and stuff. My mom said, I just like to go around trying to sample everybody's wine glass. <laughs> that was my part of the party. But they were like mostly, mostly black people. And they weren't, you know, but it was just, she wasn't like, here's my black friends. It was like, here's my work colleagues. You know, it was just like, here, here we are in our home and we're having dinner. And 
you know, and it's not like it wasn't anything. She wasn't like holding up a sign and marching around, but it was just sort of like, this is just, this is our normal. This is what our mm -hmm. friends are. These mm -hmm. are our friends. So I think, I think that goes a long way just to be it like does. accepting it, people into your home that, you know, maybe they didn't, didn't look like you growing up or whatever, or in your family, but right. They're well, awesome. You, you, know? you were lucky, so lucky. Thank God for your mom to be in a family where you had those influences, where you had those opportunities to meet other people. You know, there are so many people who don't have any black friends or, you know, <laughs> they might have one guy they know at work or something like that, but that person's never been to their house, you know, or, or a Native American person or an Asian American person, you know, really, it, I write these books. I know, you know, like Toni Morrison says, I write outside of the white gaze. Well, I write often with the white gaze in mind because I think some of the topics I'm talking about, black people already understand. But so I'm thinking of, I have this prototypical white woman in Iowa who is my beta reader. <laughs> and yeah. I always think I'm writing for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, haven't given her a name yet, but I'm thinking this is for, this is for Rosie in Ames, Iowa. I right. want to introduce her to this concept. I want her to see how this this queer black person has a day-to-day -day life. They go to the grocery store. Wow. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. always thinking about that when I write. For, for this yeah. book, not quite as much, but in the contemporary chapters uh, where, where you will not see a lot of, um, there, you won't see the white savior kind of trope in this book. But I wanted Megan, my contemporary protagonist, to have good solid relationships across racial lines. And so I gave her that background and I get, I, get, I give her this, this person uh, in Birmingham, a librarian who just is a courageous, wonderful young woman who does a lot of good stuff at great peril to her own self and her own background, her own legacy. So, yeah. Now you do a great job highlighting um, different characters and no matter what their origins may be, the ones that you've made up, but you know, based on real things, <laughs> you know them very well. That's good. All right. Um, my next question is uh, you've moved from writing a series. I mean, you're still writing it hopefully, but um, you've done a standalone now. So yeah. Yeah. This show was focused on writing. What was that like? Was it fun? Was it scary to be like, um, okay, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving my neighborhood. I'm moving into this new home for a while. Yeah. Let's see if this works. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it was a little scary and it was harder because for the series, I, I know those characters so well now, you know, I have a little Bible with their backgrounds and little profiles for everybody. So I, I can literally write something and say, oh no, Don wouldn't say that. This is what he would say, <laughs> you know, instead. The, for these new characters, for Robert, not so much. My grandfather, I just let myself, I let him, I let his spirit like take over me to write those parts. But for Megan, who's not my age <laughs> and who's much braver than I am and who, you know, has a different sensibility about the world, it was kind of nervous. You know, I have some 30, 40 year old friends. I was going like, do people, what does, the, does this mean the same thing I think it means? <laughs> You know, do, do, do young people do that? Do they say that still? <laughs> and, so, and I sort of is the reason that she and her kind of love, her new love in that book, Darius, are kind of old souls because it was just easier for me too that they would make references to old movies and old music and yeah. say and call themselves old souls because I'm going like, what do 28-year-olds, what are they talking about? <laughs> Do they talk to each other anymore? I'm not sure. I think they, they just talk to phones. each other. They do on their phone. <laughs> yeah. I'll text you since I'm sitting right next to you. I'll text you. Exactly. No, it's funny when I'll, I'll see like a reference to like a young person on Facebook. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's right anymore. I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone under 40 is on Facebook anymore. But, no, it's not. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. 
that's hilarious. Um, well, it's, it's just proven to be so far. I mean, this book is all the buzz. Everyone's talking about it. So I think you, you know, are you going to write more in the series? That wasn't an official question, but are you still writing in your series? Yes, uh, I am due to write another Charlie this year. Um, I've started on three storylines. I'm waiting to see which one really feels right to me. I couldn't write at all last year. I was just such a terrible writer. I just couldn't. I was so much thinking about this book. I could not sit down to write. I wrote a couple of short stories. Fortunately, I was judging some awards. So I was reading and reading and reading. So that helped me. Um, but I think I'm going to, I definitely will do a new Charlie. And then I'm considering a sequel to this book um, just oh. to follow along with the contemporary protagonists just to see where they go. I'd like to get some closure for the librarian, uh, Kristen. And I'd like to see if uh, Darius and Megan make something out of this, this new relationship they have or this budding attraction. <laughs> That's always fun. Those are fun times. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in something with someone, you're like, hey, remember those times? That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you being, why are you so boring right now? <laughs> I'll tell you the best and funniest editorial note I got from my agent who was doing the first draft edit is she gets to the little romance scene with, between the two of them. And she says to me in the margin notes, Megan and Darius sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> I just burst out laughing. That, that really helped me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Usually it's like, why did you put this in here? No, there's, that, there's, yeah, there's not a lot of fun notes when you get those no, notes from your head. Definitely not. <laughs> well, either you're psychic or I am, because my next question involves the dual timeline. Okay. Um, what was that like? I always picture people that write novels with a dual timeline as like, you know, those FBI shows with like the strings on the map. Like, you know, was it like that? <laughs> No. <laughs> how, do you, how do you keep it? How do you keep that straight in your head? I'm very yeah. literal thinking. I'm not a good, like I get lost. I'm very directionally challenged. I have a hard time. Yeah. How do you, how do you get that done? Yeah. I, I'm really literal too. And I, um, I think I, it really helped that I gave chapter headings to the older uh, chapters, the 1929 chapters. Somehow that kept, it gave me a topic focus so that I could in the next chapter, I wouldn't feel like I was getting too ahead of the tale because, you know, if you're reading the 1929 chapter, you know, ultimately where that's going to end. So I needed to weave the contemporary stories in a way that I wasn't getting ahead of the, the old story that, you know, that turned out to be like doing physics <laughs> a couple of times, but, and, but the editor at Dutton books a couple of times said, in these chapters, you're always leading with the contemporary story and the other one follows, and this one is not like that. Did you mean to do that? So I had to kind of sit down and take the pieces apart in both timelines, and it was almost like a jigsaw puzzle a couple of times. It it was more daunting than I'd ever want to do again. <laughs> I was say, as I mean, when you read it, 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 and that's when you know it's good because when you read it, it doesn't seem like it was hard. Yeah. But I know, as a writer, you know that that was yeah. that was not. Yeah. It's, it's it was, not supposed to read hard. <laughs> like oh this is must be where she had struggles it's none of that comes through it's very um but i you know as i said the you know, how the sausage is made is always very fascinating to me and yeah, i can't to me too yeah. it's a challenge it was a cha i would think that'd be a, a major challenge for this book yeah. but it, you did it skillfully you, thank you, you did thank great you. job all right i was trying I, the fifth one i try to do like an inspirational one for um, maybe maybe someone that's getting started and yeah. you are extremely well accomplished you've done all the things you're supposed to do. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Do you have an advice for your young self or a new person that's listening yeah. today? 
Yeah, I think my advice would be to not, you know, to just understand that you have a voice, you know, pe people kind of throw that term around. I remember working with producers and they were going like, he has such an excellent voice. And I was thinking, what are they talking, <laughs> what are they talking about? That I think we all have our voice. We just don't trust it. You know, I've been given so many opportunities in life to do things that I just have backed away from or just have not done them wholeheartedly. I would never do that again. I would always see the opportunity in front of me is just not scary and not a challenge, but something that's taken me to my next better self, uh, you know, and I wish I had someone to tell me that, you know, so a, a, a teacher or a mentor who would say, Cheryl, go for it. You know, I did, I have done a lot of things sometimes with standing in fear, but I wish I'd done more of those things. And then I guess the second thing is this thing, this whole thing about write what you know is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, just write what makes you passionate. And once you, once helps you to get in the seat every day and start plucking at the keys. You know, that's what you want to write. Things you're curious about that you can't sleep because you're going like, what? I better go write about that. <laughs> that is excellent advice. That's really good. You're such an inspiration in a lot of so many ways. That's really awesome advice. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Now you got to do the quiz. Oh, there's a quiz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a rapid do. fire. Okay. It's, uh, it's, you know, you're probably pass it'll be fine okay, yeah. okay. no nope. thanks no pressure <laughs> you're i think you'll be okay it's not about what happens in the book so that's easy okay, okay. okay. number one it's not that you would would know that but you know what i mean number one summer or winter winter no oh. okay not a fan of the hot number two sweet or savory hmm that one's harder to for me i think savory okay yeah, with occasional chocolate. <laughs> got to have some chocolate in those winter months. Got to have it. All right. Uh, number three, comedy or drama? These are harder than you think. Uh, drama, but I have to laugh even in drama. Yeah, that's, I think that's a lot of, we need, because, you know, it's like any recipe, you got to throw a little acid in the sweet, because, yeah, you know. All right. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. That's an easy one. Yeah, that one, they get they get easier. And then the easiest one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. And afternoon tea, because I've become British in my old age. <laughs> we all do. Yes. Where's my big socks and my fuzzy blanket that you would be caught dead with, you know, 20 years ago? And a, and a good cup of tea will take care of anything, a hangnail, murder, anything. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's six o'clock. Is it time for dinner in bed yet? Because that's <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, I'm so lame these days, but, um, Hey, you know, pandemic and everything else, I think it turned us all into, all yeah, yes. we changed into like, what, what do I have to go outside? I don't want to. <laughs> so, I, I saw a man yesterday in his pajama bottoms and I'm thinking, dude, we're over that now. <laughs> you you got to put on real pants. <laughs> yeah, it might've been his, it might've been his first day out. You don't know. Like that's what the, it's like. He got the memo. It's like, it's okay now to go out if you want. And he was like, Oh, right. is it, is this, is this a thing? I'm not sure. Yeah. We're all, we've all been through a collective trauma yeah. and we're trying, we're all dealing with it in weird ways. And I do way? see People are yeah. acting strange. Yeah, it's, but it's yeah. kind of interesting to uh, delve into. So you are, um, you just got mentioned by NPR yesterday. Yes. So, so gratifying. Yeah. I respect them a great deal. <laughs> oh yeah. Same. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like the queen saying something about you yeah. um, for media, but uh, so what's, are you going on tour? What's going on with this book or where we're all yeah. to see, where can we find you? 
Um, you can find me next week, next Tuesday is the book launch. I'll be in St. Pete where my family are and uh, at the Tombolo Books uh, being interviewed by a wonderful writer, poet, Cherie Greer. I'm really excited to be there. I think I'll, I'll have a lot of friends and family in the crowd along with others. And then I'll be here in DC at Politics and Prose, which is one of the preeminent independent bookstores in the country, I think. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Having fun with that one. And then I'm going to be in Brooklyn the next day, which I've never been to Brooklyn Heights. I've never been to Brooklyn Heights, but I'm going to be there <laughs> next week. And then I'll be in Houston the following week. I've been there once at a wonderful book bookstore. So I'm really looking forward to the tour. Um, I, I hope to also be in Pennsylvania probably Philly um, later in the March or early April. And I've got to be in Birmingham. I'm just waiting for the right space to be there because it's going to be a tough conversation in Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, pro that's a proper tour. You're going on a real yeah. book. You're like, you know, you hit the big time, baby. You're going to be on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I could be on Broadway for sure. <laughs> be standing on Broadway with my book. Yeah. So you're <laughs> on the street, not the, yeah, on the, the in stage. In front of the theater. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well i can't wait to see you again and give you a thank big you. hug and um just i'm so excited for you it's just thank it's a you. it's a everyone needs to read it it's important um but it's also just a great read it doesn't need to be important but it is but it's a great read on top of it so it's well, you know it's all the things and i'm very happy for you i'm proud of you i'm proud that you you know thank you sean are getting all these this well-deserved praise and you should you should because you've been cranking out good work for a long time not that people haven't noticed before but you know what i mean it's nice mm -hmm. it's nice when you try something new and it's just you know getting all this attention and it's 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 lovely it's so definitely a big stage for me and i'm so grateful and i feel so blessed <laughs> yeah. i'm I, I yeah i feel blessed to know you <laughs> so i can imagine how you feel <laughs> <laughs> Well, you enjoy the re you enjoy all of it. Soak it all in. Um, and I cannot wait to see you again. And thank you so much for your time today and for being on the show. You're just you're just a joy, and I'm just honored to know you. Thank you, my dear. Honored to know you. Oh, thank you. Have a great day. Okay. <laughs>